Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. When the Apostle Paul shared his instructions for communion with the church in Corinth, he he said these words, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I spent some time just letting that verse wash over me. I didn't want to go anywhere else in Scripture. I just wanted to contemplate, what was that verse saying to me? And one word just really jumped off the page at me more than, more than the others. And I don't know how many times, maybe you like I have, have looked at that passage several times, and when, when a new word, when a word that you've always seen suddenly becomes new to you, it can become, uh, it can become exciting. It can become heart-wrenching. And, and heart-wrenching is the case. On the night he was betrayed, the word betrayed just stood out to me stronger than ever. I just ran the scene that I knew from the Gospels back through my head. Betrayal. One of your closest friends that you've spent years with turns his back on you and betrays you. Your friends scatter in your moment of need. The temple guards, the temple, the temple guards come to take you. The religious leaders who are supposed to be proclaiming your coming turn away from you. The world powers, the three trials, the world powers have no place for you. Jesus was betrayed. And and as I looked at that, I thought it's easy for me to say, He was betrayed by them. But Scripture says, I betrayed Him. I turned my back on Him. I, in my egocentricity, had no place for Him in my life. My sin buried me and took me away from Him. And I praise God that He offers us restoration of that betrayal. That He calls us home And He wants us to be His. God created us to be with Him. But it's our sin. It's our sin that gets in the way. And sins can't be paid for by good deeds. I can't do anything to get rid of my own sins. But Jesus paid the price. By going to the cross at Calvary, by offering Himself as our sacrifice, God going to the cross for us in our stead. He paid the price for my sin. And you know, me, you, everybody who simply puts our trust and our faith in that gift of Jesus Christ, 
we can have life. Eternal life. Life that, li- that lasts forever. Life that not only lasts forever, but life that starts now. Betrayal. Restoration. Jesus gave himself for us. And I, I find it just mysterious and beautiful and wonderful all at the same time that he who did this for us then calls us into a relationship with him and with each other to be his hands and feet in the world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul tells us this. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are becoming something. The moment we put our trust and faith in Christ and Christ alone, we receive the gift of eternal life. And God loves us enough to not even leave us there, but to continue to restore us, to change and transform our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. He didn't leave us where he found us. He loves us so much. He wants to restore us. This brings me to celebration. That I, who walked away from God, could be welcomed back because he called me. Because he first loved me, I can love him back. I've been called back into communion, into a place of community with God. The classic definition of communion is the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. We're going to celebrate communion in a moment. It's the unity. It's the bond. It's being in union again with God through the blood and the body of Christ Jesus, through the sacrifice of the Lamb, the perfect Lamb. He's called us back into relationship. And we can have it with Him as we take Him into our lives as our Savior. This is a memory. This is a memorial. This is a celebration as Pastor Jim said, we gain nothing through, of salvation through what we're about to do. But it is a chance for us to celebrate together in unity and remember the gift. Remember the gift of, our, of the grace that we've been given in spite of our own betrayal. In spite of our own turning our backs on God. We're going to... Uh, pass the plates. I'm going to ask that you hold the bread until everyone is served and then uh, I will give us further instruction and we will take of the bread together. God has given us uh, God has given us the way back to Him. And while He's conquered our egocentricity on our not needing Him, unfortunately our egocentricity still exists. And so He's done something even more incredible. He's brought us together. He's formed the body of Christ. He says, this is my body which I give up for you. And then he gives us his body again. Us. The unity of this body. So no matter what, we can't step back into an egocentristic perspective. Everything is about Christ, the head, and we are the body. We need to be Christocentric in everything that we do. And so as we take this bread, 
Let's celebrate individually the gift of salvation that has come to us and the personal relationship that we can now have with Jesus through his death and burial and resurrection and by our faith in him and him alone. And let us celebrate together as a family the gift of his body. Father God, we are thankful for this opportunity to be together and to celebrate what you've done in our lives. Each of us has a story. Each of us has been given this gift that has just conquered sin, radically changed our lives. But you've brought us all together to celebrate you and to celebrate this, this new life. May we do so with full joy. Thank you, Father, for all that you give us. I pray this in your son's name. Um, as we transition to the cup, I'm going to say something that I might get in trouble for, but that's all right. Um, Pastor Jim and Pastor Kevin have both said uh, that doing sharing communion together doesn't do anything to you um, or for you, and I disagree. Um, uh, it's true that it does nothing, uh, sharing this meal does nothing for your relationship changes your relationship with God. Um, what's required for salvation is simply faith in Jesus Christ. And eating this bread and drinking this cup this morning will not change the fact that what you need is to have your faith in Jesus Christ. But I believe that eating this bread and drinking this cup together uh, does change us. And what it changes is in, in any task... Uh, we call, oftentimes, a word that, that gets thrown around a lot when in church settings is this word community. And even as we, as we take communion together, you see that word in there, commu- common union or with union, this idea of community, that we are, a, we, we are many, but we have come together as one community, one body. And this language that's used, and I believe that community it just isn't a thing that exists. So that if you get a couple hundred people together in a room, that doesn't make them a community. What that makes them is a couple hundred people in a room. Uh, that what makes a community is doing things together. In the same way that what makes a family is doing things together. I mean, you have people who are sort of semi-related, but if you just if you don't if you don't see each other, if you don't interact with each other, you're sort of loosely a family, but you're not actually acting like a family. And so sometimes a community gets formed around all sorts of things. Maybe a community becomes people who work together at a job and you're working on projects together and you're, and you're doing stuff together. You're out in the world and you're doing things together. Um, this begins to form you, you into an actual community where you, where you know one another and you strengthen bonds of actual relationships and ties are built and, and all of a sudden a community is actually being formed. The, the individuals are becoming more and more one. Uh, this, I think, is what happens when we share communion together. That we are coming together as individuals and we're coming to a common table and we're sharing together and we're proclaiming together of what Christ has done in each of us as individuals and the way that he has formed us into a body. And so I think that every time we do this together, it makes us into more of a body.
that we, sitting with the people next to you, um, are becoming more and more one. And it doesn't actually physically change anything, but I think it begins to change who we are when we say, these people who I sit with, who sometimes I may not get along with very well, who frustrate me, uh, I am one with them. I have been formed into one body with them. And as I eat with them, I acknowledge the forgiveness that I have received, but I acknowledge the forgiveness that they have received. As I drink with them, I acknowledge the work that Christ has done in my life, but I also acknowledge the work that Christ has has done in their lives. And even sometimes when I don't like to admit that Christ might be doing something in their lives because I don't, they don't seem like it, uh, we acknowledge that it's true. And we come together as a body. And this is actually the point when Paul writes here in 1 Corinthians 11, passage that we've already read part of. This is the whole point of what his passage is what this passage is talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter, really the whole, almost all of the last part of 1 Corinthians is about what do you do when you show up to, as, as a church to worship together? How, do you, how are you supposed to do this? And, and Paul writes 1 Corinthians 11, this instructions about the Lord's Supper because they're not doing it right. They're not doing it well. And they're not, they're coming and they're eating a meal. But it's not, he says, this meal that you call the Lord's Supper is not the Lord's Supper. What this is is your own supper. And don't try to bring the Lord's name into this. Because what's happening is some people are finding favor and some people are getting the good part of it and some people are being left out in the wings to sort of pick up the scraps. And he says that the point of this meal is to form you into a body. The point of this meal is to recognize the work that Christ has been doing in your life. And to recognize the work that Christ is doing in, in you as a body. And so don't push people, don't push some people out and honor some people over others. But actually come together and share equally in what Christ is doing in your lives. He says down in verse, in chapter 11, uh, verse 28. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. And you have this idea of, of a couple ideas of, of what this means. Without recognizing the, the body of the Lord. That part of this means without, without honoring and recognizing the work that Christ has done on the cross. Through his body and his blood, his sacrifice. But it's also this idea, the very next chapter, verse 12. You are the body of Christ. This is what Kevin just talked to us about. And if you come and you eat together and you don't recognize the body of Christ that is among you, and you only honor some people and you cast aside others or you, you ignore others, then you're, you're dishonoring this meal. And so as we come together, we, we come to this idea of communion. Uh, I want us to draw our attention to this idea of our unity once again. But then there's another word that often gets uh, used around this meal. We've already talked about two of them. Communion, the Lord's Supper. Another word that you might hear uh, is the word Eucharist. 
This is a word that gets used in, in a lot in more formal liturgical settings. We don't use it often. But I want us to think about what this word means. Eucharist is, comes from a Greek word that, that literally means good gift. But it also, when put together, means thanksgiving. Giving thanks. Which seems fitting that we would share this meal when in just a week and a half we are going to share another meal together in which we give thanks. A week together as a church and a week and a half as our families. And the idea behind coming to this table is, is coming around it to give thanks. To give thanks for what God has done in our lives as individuals, but also to give thanks about for what God has done in our lives as a body, as a community. And we come to this meal uh, in, in Thanksgiving, and, and Kevin brought out this idea of celebration. And Thanksgiving is, is a time of celebration, is it not? It's a time where we gather and we generally celebrate by eating a lot of food, um, maybe watching some football. But, it, but it's, a time, it's a time to, to remember with joy the things that we have been given. And so we give thanks. And, and I don't know how, about you, but around, in my family growing up, we would take time to give thanks as we sat around the table and actually say, this, this is something I'm thankful for. Um, and I encourage you, as you come to the cup in a few minutes, that you think and you, and you say, this is... This is something I'm thankful for. This, the cross, is something I'm thankful for. But also that this is something that we are thankful for. And that we as a community can be thankful for one another. And thankful for not only what, again, not only what God has done in me through the cross. But what God is doing in us through the cross. Thankfulness is a response. It's a response to something that we have received. Um, But thankfulness isn't something that we just are. So you can say, well, I'm thankful for, like, this this is what we would do in our family. You you go around the table and when you're six or seven, I'm thankful for my mom, I'm thankful for my dad. You know, if you've, those of you that have kids that do this probably, you know, you, you say the things that you, you know you're supposed to be thankful for. Um, but if you just say you're thankful for something, and then, in, like, oh, I'm thankful for my brother, and then, like, the next thing as I'm hitting him and punching, like, uh, maybe there's some, some disconnect between the gratitude and, and the thankfulness. And so thankfulness, we, we would recognize that thankfulness does something. The thankfulness actually leads us towards something. So that to be thankful for something uh, makes, us, makes us think about and hold that differently. So that to be, thankful for, uh, to be thankful for the cross isn't just to say, I'm thankful that this happened for me. But it's that we then do something in response to what the cross has done. Thankful for the community that we have been formed into, that we do something as a community that we have been formed into, that we respond to God's grace. And this is exactly what Paul says in this this passage in 1 Corinthians 11. 
uh, going back to verse 25. 1 Corinthians 11. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that in eating this bread and drinking this cup, we are responding in thankfulness by proclaiming. By proclaiming what Christ has done, not only in us, not only in us, but is doing for our world. And so we proclaim not only Christ has saved me, but Christ also desires to save you. And that when we come to this meal, it's not just coming out of gratitude and thankfulness of what we have received. But this meal should then send us. This meal should send us as a body into our world. To proclaim to our world this, this body that was broken, this blood that was poured out was also broken and poured out for you. So we come to this meal, and in our thankfulness, we respond by proclaiming. We respond by carrying this message of reconciliation and redemption to a world that desperately needs to hear it. So I encourage you, as we, as we move to the cup, um, to again hold it as it gets passed around, to reflect on the ways that you are thankful, but then also to reflect on the ways that you are being sent. Reflect maybe on names of people to whom you are being sent to proclaim good news, to proclaim reconciliation, that God is not counting man's sins against them, but is reconciling them through Jesus Christ. Chapter 1 Paul gives a great sort of backhanded compliment to the Corinthians here. He says, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. We're speaking this morning in our Sunday school class about Moses, and we're talking about God calling Moses, and uh, this incredibly comical passage in which God says, "Moses, you go," and Moses says, "Well, what if? Who should I say is sending me?" And God says, "I am who I am," um, and Moses says, "Well, but what if they don't believe me?" And he says, "Well, I'll send you some signs so that they believe you," and God, and then Moses says, "Well, I can't." I'm not a very good speaker, and God says, that's okay, I will help you speak, I will give you the words to say, and then finally Moses just says, God, can you please send somebody else? Um, I don't want to do it. I've run out of excuses, but really what I'm getting at is I don't want to go. Um, and God says, no, go. 
Um, I'll send you your brother Aaron to help you, but you go. Um, and you have this, this incredibly foolish, ridiculous story of Moses um, and, and the reality of Moses' stubbornness and, and unwillingness and, and brokenness. And yet God says, no, Moses, you are the one that I've chosen to go. You go and proclaim before Pharaoh my message. And, and I love that story because, because that story is me. Um, I, I come up with all sorts of excuses why it, sh- it should be somebody else that goes. It should be somebody else that goes out to proclaim. It should be somebody else that, that enters into those places or that speaks up when... And, and God is saying, no, you go. God has formed us into a community um, of foolish, broken, weak, unwise people. Um, that, that, that speaks to me when I read that in 1 Corinthians. And yet, God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And the reality that, of, that the cross being a story of victory... Versus a story of tragedy and failure uh, is pretty foolish uh, to our world. And yet this is what we proclaim. And when we come to the cup and the bread, we remember Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. But we are sent as people who have been broken, broken bodies, uh, restored by a broken body. to, to break our bodies and to shed our blood uh, for a world that desperately needs to hear this good news. As we drink together, let us proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again, and may we be sent to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's drink together. Thank you so much for leading us in the music today. Beautiful songs, huh? You mean those words? If you mean those, let's say amen together. Amen. Thank you for sharing God's word, uh, Pastor uh, Kevin and Gary. I go home today. I'm going to take home with me the thoughts, as uh, Kevin shared, that uh, the betrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ, we were all responsible for his death. And that's why the Bible says, when he died, I died. When he was buried, I was buried. And he rose again, and I have already risen to eternal life. And that's good news. And Pastor Gary's uh, thoughts this morning that uh, you're not really in trouble, Gary, for disagreeing with me and Kevin. I mean, you know, you don't have to worry just because Kevin and I are both bigger and stronger than you. It's, <laughs> it's all right. We'll take, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of it tomorrow, okay? <laughs> so you want to say goodbye, everybody? <laughs> but the, the point, uh, well taken, that uh, while uh, communion does nothing for me individually in terms of saving me, it does do something for us as a body. And I ask both of them today to reflect on this, that we are a body. And what Gary said is true, that this, this affects us as a body. And I hope you leave this place today. I know we have visitors from out of town here today with us, this visiting with us today. But if you're here today and you know Christ is your Savior, as a visitor, as a regular tender, you are part of this body today. And we leave as one. And our witness is as one to this world, as Gary said, that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, as we leave today, I just also want to say that it's our um, 
our tradition on Communion Sunday to receive a special offering, a uh, benevolent offering. And what that is, is we have a fund at our church that uh, is at the discretion of the elder board and sometimes the pastor uh, to just help people with various needs. This is above and beyond your regular giving. And the offering plates will be at different places out in the narthex or today. And if you would like to uh, just just put something, anything in it, it'll go. We, we pretty much brought our fund down. And uh, we just recently helped a single lady from our church who needed some work done at her house. It was really needed to be done. And we're able to do that. And our mission committee will be addressing, of course, our needs and our help to our brothers and sisters in the Philippines with our, our missionary giving as well. So if you're able today to just leave an offering for the a benevolent fund. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, but most of all, thank you for coming today. Your presence here today is a ministry to others. We are a family of God. Heavenly Father, as we leave this place today, uh, we, lo- we leave as one. Uh, we, we, we came here as individuals, but we are part of a body of Christ. And the imagery of the body that, that Paul is so clear about, we are one. Every one of us. Is, is part of your body, and you are the head. And because you are the head, we are part of your body. And so as we go our separate ways today, Father, uh, it's our prayer that we might represent you. And when people see us this week, they will see Jesus Christ. When they hear our words, we will draw them to your word, to your scriptures, and that our life will reflect what we say we believe. And, Father, if there is one person here today who does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They have heard the message this morning, God, you love them. And your Son, Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, came to earth, lived a life of complete sinlessness, so he could go to the cross and be my sacrifice and their sacrifice and pay for their sins, and that you are willing to forgive them of their sins if they are simply willing to receive the fact that Christ died in their place and is their sacrifice. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And I pray today you would open their heart to the gospel and in this quiet moment that they would simply in humbleness say, Yes, I know I'm a sinner and I know I cannot save myself. And I believe Jesus Christ died and paid for my sin. And I wish to receive his sacrifice and payment for my sin and receive him as my Lord and my Savior. In Christ's name, we have gathered today and we leave rejoicing in hope. And all God's people can say together, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.